game done on a missed call. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Probably the worst Brewers loss of the season. Eh, not probably. I can definitively say that is the worst loss of the Brewers season. Not that... Like, they lost 5-4. to four. They could have got blown out by 20 runs. They could have blown it in the bottom of the ninth. It's, the closer you get to the end of the season and the deeper you get into September, every win is magnified, every loss is magnified. So Friday night's comeback against the Phillies, like that was the biggest win of the season. Not that they haven't had exciting wins, not that they haven't had big wins, but that was the most recent big win, and it's September. And so it's going to become the most important win. Today was probably the worst loss of the Brewers season, almost certainly the worst loss of the Brewers season. And there's a lot of regrets, a lot of regrets in this game. A lot of great many people are going to have regrets. Uh, Craig Council, a couple decisions that he made today, I think were incorrect. He's probably got some regrets. Uh, Brewers offensive players, their hitters, some regrets. Pitchers going to have some regrets. Hobie Milner gave up a run for the first time in a long time. Uh, McGill, not his best out. He regrets all over the board. My biggest regret from today's Brewer game, a little unorthodox, but I, I think you might agree. I, I'm regretting that Bill Schroeder was not on the call for this game. I missed Rock because if the Brewers are going to get screwed on a final call, strike three call in the final of bat of the game, I want Rock on the call because then I can hear him go, that's terrible. That's terrible. That's terrible. Is he even looking? What's he looking at back there? I I just would have liked Bill Schroeder. I would have liked Rock on the call today. So add insult to injury. Not only did the Brewers lose, uh, they lost in painful, controversial fashion. And Rock wasn't there to give it his Rock touch. Horrible, awful, terrible, as Rock would say. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an awesome day. Uh, probably a better day if you didn't watch the Brewers. We're going to talk about this loss. I wanted to talk... 75, 80% football tonight. And when I really started to put my notes together this afternoon, the Brewers were up three to one. And I'm like, all right, they'll probably win this game. So we, you know, touch on the Brewers very briefly to start the show. Then we'll talk about the Packers. Then we'll, you know, bounce around topic to topic just a little bit. I wanted to talk a little bit more college football, a little bit more about the Badgers. But now I feel like we got to spend some more time talking about the Brewers because today was a catastrophe. So if you are sad, that we're talking baseball today because, you know, yesterday was great. We talked college football. We talked Badgers. We were talking Packers. It's football season. Well, take it up with the Brewers. I, I didn't blow a really important game today. I only have so much control over the topics of the show. All right, we got to talk about this Brewers loss. They did win 7-3 to three last night. A little positive, but it kind of feels like that was washed away today. And I guess it literally was washed away because today's loss cleared that win last night from the ledger brewers losing two of three to the pirates i hear a lot you know when i listen to other shows or i listen to other stations it's not just today you know all throughout the season anytime the brewers lose the pirates it was like oh they can never beat the pirates this team always gives the brewers problems they can they can never beat the damn pirates they always go down to pnc and piss down their leg they got a winning record against the pirates there's this really strong misconception fake news Everybody believes when you get pissed off about the Brewers and they lose games, we we just see what we want to see. We say what we want to say. Like I listened to a Brewers postgame show. I was listening to Tim Allen earlier today. He's on a competing station, but he's been on forever. And I wanted to hear what he had to say. And the postgame show started and he's yelling about small ball. Okay, well, 
that's that wasn't what the Brewers' problem was today. It's not always small ball. It's not always that they didn't play for one run. It's not always that they didn't drop down a bunt. And then I listen to other shows or I see other Twitter accounts like, oh, the Brewers can never beat the Pirates. That's not true. The Brewers handle the Pirates just well. Basically, my entire life, they've obliterated the Pirates. They've had some infamous series, that five-game series in 2018 going into the break. Yeah, that's one instance they lost to the Pirates. That was also five years ago, you know, which maybe that's a separate conversation we have to have about Craig Tember. Oh, Craig Tember. Well, you know, Craig Tember was Craig Tember in 2018, which was five years ago. I know 2018 doesn't feel like five years ago, but... You know, we probably said that at the end of the Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur tenure in Green Bay. It's like, well, 2014 wasn't that long ago. Okay, yeah, it was five or six years ago. Right? A lot of time has passed since 2018, so maybe we got to rethink Craig Tember. I mean, Krogist was great this year, but maybe there's a little bit of a misconception about Craig Tember. I'd love to talk Brewers with you. Seven to three, they won last night. Five to four, they lost today, including just kicking the ribs of a final strike three call from CB Bucknor. I saw who was it. Was it Made Wiley? Which Brewers Twitter account was it today that said they should melt down C.B. Buckner's face mask and pour it on his head like in Game of Thrones? Who tweeted that? Now I want to see who it was so I can actually give him credit. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was it was Made Wiley. God, that was funny. <laughs> C.B. Buckner. No, it was Brett. It was Tyler Saladino World. They should melt the umpire mask and throw the boiling metal on C.B. Buckner. It was a horrible horrible, horrible, horrible final three call. And Jeremy and Scotty tweets in at Wisco Grant. I still remember a rock called strike three loss against the Cubs from maybe 15 years ago. Man was apoplectic. Yeah, we deserved rock on the call today. If the Brewers are going to lose like that and the game was going to end on a call like that, I at least want Bill Schroeder in the booth because the man would have the man would have fought for us. You know, Vinny Rotino, God love him. UW lacrosse guy. He's, he's one of my, my fellow UWL Eagles, but... I would have liked Bill Schroeder today. 608-321-1670. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Must win last night, must win today. Last night was a little frustrating. Uh, They had the bases loaded in the fourth with, I don't know if it was with nobody out or with one person. Well, it must have been with nobody out, yeah. And I was texting with a buddy as Mark Canna came up to the plate, and he's like, oh, we need a big hit here. And I'm like, yeah. And then Mark Canna grounded into a double play. The Brewers scored one run, and they went up one to nothing. And I'm like, honestly, I'll take it. If you can guarantee me they score at least one run, honestly, I'll take it. Because all too often this team just, they load the bases or they get a couple guys on. And then they fail to score and it somehow feels like the team is in a worse spot than they were before the inning. Like you strand runners on base, the energy gets worse, the vibes get worse. I think frustration increases. Brandon Woodruff threw seven scoreless innings last night. He was fantastic. And in an effort to have some positive talk on the show today surrounding the Brewers, not that they deserve it. You know, I'll show Woody some love for last night. I have so much respect for what he's done this year. He's always been a no-nonsense hitter, basically his entire career, or a no-nonsense pitcher, basically his entire career. He's never been the perfectionist that Burns has shown to be or that Freddie Peralta can sometimes be. He'll bully hitters. He doesn't have to be pretty. He doesn't have to have perfect location. He just has to overpower hitters that's what he does his game log let me read you his start since coming back from injury he came back on august 6th against the pirates five innings four hits only two runs brewers lost that game nice uh august 12th crogist 12th some might say 
He pitched against the White Sox. He went six and a third, four hits, two runs. Excellent. Against the Rangers, five and a third, three hits, four runs. On Krogus 25th, Padres, six innings pitched, three hits, only one earned run. And then uh, against the Cubs, still not bad, six innings pitched, two hits, and two earned runs. That was last Wednesday. That was the series finale. So Brandon Woodruff has come back from injury and basically given the Brewers a no-nonsense, workable start, quality start. Now, last night was his best start. He went seven shutout, but up until then... He'd been going five and a third, six and a third, six innings, you know, three hits, four hits, one run, two runs. Very, very solid, very workable, right? And I thought up until the Brewers lost today that workable was going to work for the Brewers for the rest of the month of September. Uh, Friend of show, Hunter Baumgart, who is uh, at the game in Milwaukee, another fellow UWL Eagle of mine, tweeted this last night, and I thought it was a great, I thought this was an excellent point. Uh, he tweeted so that the numbers are slightly outdated, but the general principle still applies. He says the Brewers have 26 games left. The Cubs have 25 games left. If the Brewers win every series the rest of the way, they will go 18 and eight. So the Cubs would then have to go 21 and four or 22 and three, depending on the tiebreaker. So a motto for the last four weeks, just win the series. I thought this was a perfect tweet and I was going to reference it to start the show today. And I put it in my notes around one o'clock this afternoon, because at the time the Brewers were up three to one against a pitiful Pirates team. And I thought, oh, no way they blow this. Now the Brewers lead in the division is going to be under two games. And I don't know if winning every series the rest of the way will do it the way that the Cubs are playing, especially with the final series in Milwaukee against the Chicago Cubs. I don't know. This team has had opportunities. They had an opportunity in Chicago, not necessarily to put the Cubs away, but they had an opportunity to win both game two and game three. Their starting pitching was tremendous. And this is what's so frustrating. They go up against the Cubs. They get great starts from Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns. They lose two of three. Then this week against the Pirates, three games against the Pirates, and they get their three studs. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. They lose two of three. It's one thing to lose a game started by Colin Ray. You play 162 games. You're going to lose some games. It's no big deal. It's another thing to lose a game when Corbin Burns just doesn't have his stuff. Ah, Corbin Burns didn't have it tonight. He had a blew up, a blew up in the first inning like he did against the Diamondbacks. That happens every once in a while, even for the best pitchers. They have gotten decent starts to great starts from Woodruff, Peralta, and Burns against the Cubs last week, against the Pirates this week, and they haven't been able to take advantage. And it's really, really, really frustrating because the whole idea for this team, right, the the, the motto, the, the, the order of operations is get into the playoffs and get in a series where you have your three studs going, where you can pitch Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, and you'll have a chance against anybody. Yeah, you'll have a chance against anybody, but we've seen twice in the last week now Against divisional opponents, series they got to have. They had their three studs on the mound. And by and large, their three studs in both instances pitched pretty darn well. And the Brewers offense is like, I have a stroke now. Is that what I do? No. Jesus, score some runs. They were luck- They were lucky to score four runs today. Three of them came on a Willie Adamas home run. That's like betting on a solar eclipse. I would never bet on that to happen. Willie Adamas was like one for his last 23 or one for his last 24. Something absurd like that. So not only did they get a really good start from Freddie Peralta, they, they, they also, 
got a home run from Willie Adamas, which, again, is like the rarest thing in the world. I mean, lightning struck twice today for the Brewers. Great start, big home run in the first inning from Willie Adamas, and the rest of the game, the Brewers just did a whole, a whole load of nothing. It's quite frustrating. It's really frustrating. And I'm trying not to get sucked down into all of ne- negativity, which is why I'm, I'm trying to speak up, be easy. I'm trying to, trying to remain upbeat, trying to remain positive. It sucks. I don't think Craig Council had the best game from a manager perspective today, from a decision-making perspective, I should say. One of my, one of my uh, pet peeves is when sports broadcasters are like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers had a great game from a quarterback perspective. It's like, well, that, what other perspective would there be? He's a quarter. What other perspective would there be? So that's a, that's a little bit of crutch in sports media. I don't think Craig Council made very good decisions late in this game, defensively and with his pitching staff. And I'm never one to really criticize Craig Council, so we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. First, I want to take the call. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Good afternoon, Grant. How are you doing? <sighs> I'm good, Corey. What about you? I'm all right. Just heading back from the grocery store. Picked up the midweek uh, grocery run. So. Oh, boy. You blow off a little steam pacing around the grocery store after that brewer's loss? <laughs> yeah, I actually did, like, pretty... Uh, Workmanlike effort today. It was nice when you go midweek to Woodman's. There's like not that many people there, so I can't let that secret out. Do you go to the Do you go to the Woodman's in Sun Prairie? If you mind me asking, you know it. Oh, I do as well. I was there last night. I I, I go early in the morning or late at night. I refuse to deal with people. I can't do it. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. Oh my god, it's the worst. You would just kind of dawdle. They don't know what they want. They kind of start talking to each other in the aisle. It's like it's great. Kind of like this Brewers offense, you know what I mean? Yeah, there you go. And that, hey, hi-oh, there you go. So it's, it's kind of like what you get with this team a bit. Because I remember, uh, I recall Kurt Hogg, that was covering the Brewers in Pittsburgh this week, uh, mentioned that um, the, the squad has like the, one of the biggest spreads between winning percentages. I can't remember how you phrase it, but like the most, this is what it was, the most runs scored on average in their wins versus like runs scored in their losses. Sure. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a really big spread in that. Yep. And I know what you're talking about. Like they're down kind of like in the top, like the bottom five of the league in terms of that. So like it is a bit of a feast or famine for lack of a better term kind of offense. You're not steady Eddie, like the Braves where they just come at you in waves and just maul you. And, I also saw, I think he also tweeted the same, or tweeted a, a statistic about the Braves that they have like a 500 slugging percentage of the team, not just like a couple guys, like the whole team collectively. Like, man, wouldn't I get, wouldn't, what wouldn't we give for something like that in the Brewers with this pitching staff? Because they would well, be like, they would be pretty damn good. Well, we got but, Josh Donaldson on the way, assumedly, for this Yankees series. Now that's. Now, that's negative talk, Grant. That's getting into, like, the standard Wisconsin fandom. Yeah. yeah. That, right? Hey, my, my negative talk is done through through style. humor and disrespect. I am not – if I wanted to be negative today and miserable, I'd be like, this team's – oh, my God, I'm in the Dunn Club. Cubs are going to win this division. I, I'm out. I, I probably won't watch this team again. You know, they're, they're, they're just what I use to entertain myself until football season anyways. I'm not saying those right. things, but I'm lashing out through with sarcasm – and through and through uh, toxic joke telling. That, that's how I am am so, negative. Tend to look out over their schedule coming up here, and if you think about, they've had, you know, they had their tough times with the Pirates. They thankfully don't have to play them anymore this year. 
they play the Cardinals, what, seven times. They got the Marlins seven times. So that right there is 14 games against, you know, pretty winnable opponents. And I think, I think Sandy Alcantara got hurt today, if I saw correctly. So the Marlins might even, yeah. Okay. So you saw too. That's even going to be an easier opponent. Should be. I had not seen that, but that would be, you know, that's a, so that's kind of a couple positive things. And then, ironically, at the beginning of the year, you wouldn't have thought said this, but they go play Yankees this week, and that should be a winnable series, right? I mean, it's a last place team. It is the AL. They got decent players, but they have been playing up, their, up to their potential. And the Cubs have a pretty difficult schedule. I mean, they're going against teams that are fighting for wild card spots. I think they play the Diamondbacks coming up. I don't know if they play the Giants already today, or if they do they play them tonight. You know, Grant, off the top of your head, the Cubs. Yeah, the Cubs won today. They, they played play? this afternoon. They yeah. Yep. Okay. I I didn't know off the top of my head if they had or not. So oh, good. That's why. All right. So, so so the Brewers lead, like you said, down one and a half games. I'm not as like concerned about it, and I'm not saying you are, but like I think that the Brewers are still be able to win this division. I wouldn't say comfortably, but I think by the last series we get to, I think they'll have sewn it up by then, and it'll be all over but the crying from the Cubs fans. That's my kind of bold prediction. Now, it's a different thing once they get to the playoffs in terms of, okay, will this feast or famine offense be able to find something and maybe run into a team that, like, has looked really awesome, and then all of a sudden they get, like, on a cold streak or something like that. That's really the only kind of, like, hopey, type of thing you got for the Brewers is that you run into like, you know, because I think they play the worst wild card team and you can say, okay, hopefully the Giants or the Diamondbacks aren't like a hot streak with their offense and you can shut them down, get just enough offense and same deal then you would play Atlanta because Atlanta's been sitting around for a few days. Hopefully that cools them off. So I'm not predicting any great things. I kind of still hold by my, I think they're probably, maybe they'll win that first series in the wild card round. But I think once you run into the buzzsaw of Atlanta or the Dodgers, it's a little bit too much to overcome. They're just, I mean, they're just better teams for lack of it's all obvious to all of us. Of course, yeah, caveats always, okay, is baseball. And if their offense on the other teams kind of takes a sleeping pill, maybe you have a chance, but chances are great at that. I got you, Corey. And I yeah. think you spoke some some uncomfortable but correct truths in there about our team. And we'll keep talking about that. I'm going to run. Thank you for doing me the honor of, uh, of being my first caller of the day. Corey, I appreciate you. My pleasure. You have a good evening there, sir. Yeah, you as well. Yeah, you got, well, you got your chores getting out of the way with. You went to Woodman's. You got that taken care of. So you relaxed tonight. No brewer game to ruin your evening. You just go home and enjoy yourself, Corey. Three minutes, we'll come back, and I'll do something that I don't do very often. I will criticize... Craig Council, not the man. Uh, Craig Council, the man, is unimpeachable, but a couple of the decisions that he made today. Not a fan. Didn't love it. And for being honest, did not love it. Three minutes and we're back on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. My name is Grant Bills. Brewers lost today. That was a uh, that was a kick in between the legs. That was no fun. They didn't need to win last night as long as they won today. Does that make sense? Or I guess no, that wouldn't make sense. Oh, hold on. Let me back up. Hold on. 
Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Talking Brewers. Lost today was a kick in the store. They didn't need to win all three games of the series. Just win the series. Take two or three. They couldn't do that. It's probably the worst loss of the season today. That's done. Uh, the offense didn't show up. They had got a home run from Willie Thomas early. That was basically it. It reminded me a little bit of the, the third loss against the A's. I know we're going back earlier this summer, but for those of you with a good baseball memory, you might remember it was that Sunday afternoon. And around the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, it, it looked like the Brewers offense finally realized, holy cow, we're about to get swept by the A's. We got to do something, but it was too little too late. Kind of seems similar today. Like they really started fighting in the ninth, but guys, at this point, it's too late. And then there's two outs and C.B. Buckner makes an awful call and the game ends. And it was just, it's a bummer. Now they're lead less than two games over the Cubs. The Cubs keep winning because they're hot and they have an exciting offense. And it's not great. I didn't love a couple of the decisions Craig Council made today. That will happen. I don't think the game was completely on Craig Council. But again, I just a couple things he did. I want to talk about that in a few minutes. First, let's talk to affirmative action. Pete 608-321-1670. What's up, Pete? Welcome. Well, I, I, I always want, I, I'm a really, uh, I'm an affirmative action type of person, yeah. and I and I believe in giving credit where it's due. So, first of all, I want to give you credit for being a terrific producer of the Bill Michaels show, oh. you know. Well, thank and, you. And, and, and I also want to give uh, Bill Michaels credit for being probably the uh, prognosticator uh, of the of the year award because <clears throat> when the uh, Brewers went up five games on on the Cubs, he declared that if they won one more game, that the Cubs are going to be dead. And the Brewers, <laughs> had, you know, it wrapped up uh, the American, I mean, the National League uh, Central Division. And since then, the Cubs have picked up three games. So I'm just saying, way to go, Swami Bill. You know. And uh, I can't wait for your NFL picks and college football picks because I'm going to take them all to the bank and uh, I'm going to mortgage my house. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you, Bill, you know, for your advice, because when it when it comes to uh, uh, prognosticating, you know, it's Bill Michaels. So I just had a few positive things to say to share with your audience. Oh, well, thank you, Pete. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. There you go. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, Pete, if you want some picks, uh, we're doing our football frenzy tomorrow on the Bill Michaels Show. It's very exciting. Three football guests lined up. We got Eric Eager from Sumer Sports. We got Ty Dunn uh, from Go Long. We'll be joined by Mike Clemens at some point. I mean, it's, it's almost too much. And speaking of picks, we're going to pick every division. We're going to pick our Super Bowl qualifiers and our Super Bowl champs, and we're going to pick our MVPs. So we're going to make all sorts of picks. We're going to talk with football guests. I mean, almost too much, really. I I can't wait to go to bed tonight because tomorrow, football frenzy. I can't wait. And then the NFL obviously kicks off tomorrow night with the Chiefs and the Lions. A lot of injury news this week, too. Watson and Dobbs are now banged up. We already knew that Travis Kelsey was banged up. I see Mark Andrews banged up. Cooper Cup has been ruled out for week one. Like This is lame. Games haven't even started yet. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Hey, Grant, it's Clemhead Mike from Chippewa Falls. Clemhead Mike, did you watch the Brewer game or listen to the Brewer game this afternoon? Uh, I listened to some of it, but uh, we had to go. We had to go help my 84-year-old sister-in-law move some stuff. So I, you had to do I something else productive and not mentally yeah. taxing, like watch the Brewer game. Good for you. Yeah, and I, I, I can't watch it. I don't have cable, but um, I... Um, I missed your show yesterday, unfortunately. Um, 
I was down in Toma. I was at an oh. antique store, and I picked up a, I picked up an old wooden box, beautiful condition, finger joints, really nice quality. But it says American Cyanamide and Explosive Company, and um, it says danger all over it, you know, dynamite, all this stuff. But you'll never guess the address of this company. It's, it's so funny. I actually laughed out loud when I saw it. It says Ernie Rockefeller Plaza, New York new york usa now do you know where 30 rockefeller plaza is uh that's where they filmed the tv show 30 rock isn't it yes and saturday night live that used to be a dynamite factory (laughs) really (laughs) my god i this must be quite old but (laughs) well it's very cool these days mike and chippa falls it's very cool and hip to uh live in an apartment that's like an old depot or an old shoe factory. They're all over the place. They've converted a lot of these old factories. It's pretty cool. You know, you get the exposed brick or whatever for the shops and the apartments. You know, if I had yeah. any money as a real estate developer, that's where I'd, I'd be going for an old factory, an old foundry, something yeah. like that. Love the, love the exposed brick. But yeah, yeah, I did hear the end of the scene day, and I, it was a kick in the store, like you said. I haven't heard somebody use the word kick in the store since Tom Bernard about 25 years ago. Kicking the store. That's where that comes to. No wonder my dad said that all the time. He was a Tom. We, I mean, I listened to Tom Bernard when I was little. I don't know yeah. that was a Tom Bernardism. Uh, it's great. Yeah, the store. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it but, was. Uh, and the CB Buckner call at the end didn't make it any better. But I, it doesn't really bother me because the Brewers had nine innings. They didn't do anything other than that. Willie Adams right. Homer. They did nothing between innings two and eight. They did absolutely nothing. I'm supposed to get angry because they got boned on one strike call. Ah, I right. won't do it. I say the same. I say the same thing about NFL games. If you're, if you're lost because of one bad call, you, know, you probably weren't playing well enough to win anyway. So, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not going to blame it on one call. But, you know, I, like I said before, I'm 66, and I, 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 but I've never grown up. When he, last Thursday, I think Thursday you said, uh, or Friday you said, you went to bed last night, you were, you were thinking of uh, Graham Mertz. I said, I started giggling. <laughs> You don't think of Graham Mertz before you before you go to sleep when your head hits the pillow? Who do you think about, Mike? Well, maybe a curly blonde. I don't know. <laughs> not, not Graham Mertz. Well, Graham <laughs> Mertz has got some nice curly blonde hair. I mean, good-looking guy. <laughs> kidding me. Just started giggling like a little child. I said, oh, I, Mike, grow up. Come on. <laughs> I do think of Graham Mertz before I go. I see him in my dreams. I, I dream of that Illinois game in an empty Camp Randall on Friday night peak pandemic where i thought oh this is going to be the best college quarterback i've ever seen ever play at wisconsin and he was not yeah i've been watching all this i've been looking at all the sports uh youtube channels like rich eisen and yep. you know first things first and all these man everybody all of them think the packers are gonna almost all of them think the packers are gonna win the central and even culture is thinking that they're you know packers got a chance to go to the super bowl and just weeks before he was saying how horrible love was and now he's the greatest thing since sliced bread that's why i don't listen to coward because he's just Still wishy-washy and such a hypocrite, but no room on the bandwagon for guys like that, you know, Mike. No room. Yeah, I know. He's get out of here. <laughs> but and uh, obviously, Sean Payton hasn't walked in front of that bus yet, so <laughs> my life is not complete. <laughs> he was that last week. I can't believe what Sean Payton and the Saints did to Brett Favre. That's despicable. I hope he gets hit by a bus. It's like, well, that's basically yeah. what happened to Brett Favre in that game. Well, they were trying to break his bones. Yeah, they're trying to break his bones. I was hoping he Peyton would just break a few, you know. Just I don't want couple. him paralyzed. You know, six or seven months from now, he's walking again. I mean, I want to be <laughs> terrible. Oh, my God. Mike, I got a couple other callers. I needed this after this yep. tough Brewers loss. I appreciate this. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, okay. Thank you. Yeah, Bye. good one. You got a box from a dynamite factory. You had a cool-ass day yesterday. All right, two more calls, then we'll go to break.
608-321-1670. We're breaking down this horrific Brewers loss. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? What is baseball? Is this? Who is this? Speak again. Mike and Oh, I was going to say, I, I thought maybe what you said made it sound like Vagabond John, but I'm like, that's not Vagabond John. But another one of our football callers, Mike in Windsor. What's going on, man? How are you? Hey, can I ask you a Badgers question? You can. Why is it that we spent all of the last year being amped up for a new version of Badger football and, oh, Luke Fickle, new era, new offense, new everything, and then after one week, we want to go back to running the football and turning the music down. I don't get it. What happened to us? We had so much pizzazz and excitement for this new administration, this new era, and we lost it in one afternoon. Yeah. Um, I'd like to just remind everyone that no one at Wisconsin, coaches, coordinators, anyone, no one at Wisconsin said, oh, this new look offense is going to be throwing the ball all the time. I can't wait for this air raid offense. No, the athletics said that. And including myself, people on this show said that people on Bill Michaels show said that Colin Coward said that once it's no one else said that, but the media and, and the fans. And that's what we were expecting, right? Because Phil Longo brings this new offense, but if you go back to a lot of interviews with um, the coaches, they specifically say running is going to be a very central part of this offense. We're not going to get rid of running. What yeah. they are doing, which I believe it, is they even did against Buffalo, is they're opening up more lanes. I think I think Ches Malusi's looked better than he ever has. Um, I think that Braylon Allen's going to be obviously in his normal form, if not better. But I think that the way they're spreading the ball out, I mean, I can't remember many times where they've had as many wide receivers as they had on the field Saturday. So in that regard, they are doing that scheme, but they're not relying on Tanner Mordecai to throw that ball all the time. I think that their idea is we can run the ball, but let's just open up these lanes. Interesting. So a more efficient version so, of the running game. Much, much more efficient. And you saw yeah. Braylon Allen catch a few balls out of the backfield, too, and, and get in some space and do fairly well with those. So I don't think that we're necessarily looking at an air raid offense. I think that we're looking at the scheme, which is opening up more lanes for a more proficient running game and not loading, not having a defense load the box with, you know, eight, nine players. It's just, you know, it's just dumb. So I, I think that, I think that, you know, perspective-wise, you know, the coaches never really said, hey, this is what this is going to be. They just said, you know, let's go with the process and we'll see how this works. They, they were fluid about it. I think that, you know, we as fans and the media hyped it up a lot more than they did. Interesting. Yeah. You know, we're all so, mad that the music's too out of camp, Randall. Okay. Well, sorry. I don't know. Uh, Bring back Gary Anderson. Yeah. yeah, let's just go back to the old version of Wisconsin football. I don't know. Appreciate yeah. you, Mike. I got to get to one more caller, and then uh, and then we'll take a break. But I'm sure we'll talk more Badgers soon. No doubt. Yeah, man. We'll see you. Yeah, appreciate you. Mike in Windsor. A little Badgers football talk. I needed that. All right, one more call before break. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, Grant. Uh, the quarterback that I think of before my head hits the pillow is Joel Sabe. Nice. Also very good looking, but won a lot of games. And I, and I would like to think about all of those wins before I go to bed. 
all he did was win, and he still got crapped on by this fan base. Terrible. It was really unfair. Uh, did you watch the Brew game this afternoon, Cone? I watched the tail end of it, saw the, the Buckner strike, um, you know, disappointing, but like the Clem had Mike's take, you know, if you're complaining about one call, there there were many other opportunities to, to get the win. Mike's a bringer of common sense to this show. I think he's a, he's a North star in the sky when we need him from four to six on the Wisco sports show. So I appreciate that about Mike. I agree. The Brewers, it's like they got up three to one and then they expected to be able to coast. And then they fell behind a couple runs. It's like, oh, okay, no, it's fine. We, we got this. And they got to the ninth inning, and all of a sudden, oh, crap, we're going to lose two or three to the Pirates in the heat of a pennant chase. And then they tried, and they buckled down in the batter's box a little bit in the ninth, but it was too little too late. And it's frustrating because it's not the first time that I felt them doing that this year at the end of a series. Right. It, looks, it seems like they're just trying to get out of town. Um, kind of like, you know, a Friday going into a long weekend. You just kind of mail it in. That's exactly kind of what this Brewers team is looking like right now. Um, I also have some issues with the term Craig Tember. You know, I love Craig Council as much as the next guy. He's yeah. a great manager, would do anything to have him back next year. But has he really earned the title of Craig Tember? He's living on a little bit of what happened in 2018, and and that's fair. I think Craig Tember was more of a thing when he had expanded rosters and that rule has changed just a little bit. So I, I think that's changed the the arithmetic of how the final month of the season goes. Crogist this year, that was very real. We had Crogist for about two or three weeks of, of the month of August. But Craig Tember, I, I would like to see it again because it's been about five years since we've seen it truly be Craig Tember. I would like to see it again. Yeah, we, we got to get a playoff series win here this year. Um, we just need it. We we don't need it. We won't always need it, but we need it this year. We need it this year. We do. It feels like we've been stepping backwards year after year after year. It would be nice to kind of reset and maybe win one series and then lose the second series, which is, I say it out loud, what a lame-ass thing to want, but that's the bites-at-the-apple approach, I guess. Yeah, amen to that. The Brewers have done this to me. This is not my. This is not me. The Brewers have wired me to set my expectations in such a way where if they make the NLDS and put up a nice fight, I'll actually be very happy about this season. Yeah. I think it's just the way baseball playoffs is like, it's, it's so much more elevated than the regular season. I think almost more than any other sport, but man, playoff baseball is just fun. You want your team in it. You want them winning. You want to be going out to the ballpark, waving your rally towels, getting loud. Oh, need it. I would love that. Yeah. Well, at least we're playing meaningful baseball in September, right? Remember when we used to say that in 2017 and before this, we really kind of, I don't think we got spoiled by the Brewers, but we got used to a certain level of success. We, we now expect to be relevant in September, which for most of my life was not the case. So I will be thankful for that. It is a, a privilege to be able to yell about bad losses like this to the Pirates. So I will treat it as a privilege. Yep, absolutely. Be grateful for what you have. They got us to Packers season, at least. That's true. That's true. So. And I am going to talk about Packers coming up in a little bit, and I need to tip my cap to you, Cone. I thought of you earlier today because, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, you called in and said, hey, uh, with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, I need to see them get through a season healthy. I need to see that they can make it a, a whole 16, 17, 18 games. And now they're both on the injury report. Dobbs, it doesn't seem like it's going to be available week one. We don't know. We're not sure about Watson. So I'm going to tip my cap to you. You are out in front of this, my friend. Yeah, and I hate that I'm going to be right about this, honestly. 
it, it's not always fun being right. You know, no, it's, 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 it's quite the burden, really. But, yeah, I, I will repeat what I said. You know, we need to pump the brakes on our expectations for these guys. They're not going to be Justin Jefferson's if they can't stay healthy. And it doesn't seem like they can, honestly. I mean, I don't know. Do you start giving them veteran rest like they're giving David Bakhtiari every other day? Or, or, I mean, what do you do? We can't do that. No, you just have to hope that it's a little nick at the beginning of the year and they get over it and have a very successful regular season. And that remains to be seen. So we'll wait and see. Appreciate you, Cohen. I got to run. Yeah, you're woefully late. I just don't know if a hamstring gets better throughout the season, but we'll see. We All right, will thanks, see. Grant. Yeah, appreciate you. More to Cone Roller, 608-321-1670. Five minutes, and i got to criticize Craig Council. I don't want to. I have to. It's coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, talking Brewers. Going to talk Packers in the second half of the show. I was hoping, was planning to talk like 80% football tonight. Little mention of the Brewers at the beginning. Good job, Brewers. One last night, one today. No big deal. Move along to the Packers. Talk a little Badgers, NFL, kick off tomorrow night. Great. And then the Brewers went and blew it today. And now we got to talk about the Brewers, which I love talking about the Brewers. Don't get me wrong. I prefer to talk about them when they're winning. They're not winning right now. They had a chance with Peralta, Burns, and Woodruff to take two or three against the Cubs last week. Couldn't do it. They had a chance with all three aces to take two or three games in this series against the Pirates. They couldn't do it. And now their lead is less than two games in the division. I still think they'll win this division, but I've been saying that for a while, and the lead gets smaller and smaller. So we'll see. Who knows? 608-321-1670. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I did not love Craig Council's strategy in this game. I don't criticize Craig Council and his decision-making very often. One, because I think Craig Council is very, very, very good at his job, and he is the reason that this Brewers team has overperformed expectations just about every year since 2017-2018. We always look at this team, it's like, man, they got no elite hitters, they're starting minor league guys, relievers we've never heard of. Oh, and how many games did they win? 85? 90 games? Oh, yeah. That's because Craig Council's really good at his job. I don't think the Brewers win as many games as they do year after year for the better part of the last decade, if not for Craig Council. So I think he's very good at his job. So for that reason, I trust in, in most things that he does. And also, I, I think by and large, picking apart a manager's decisions is mostly dumb. Because over the course of a season, that's the law of averages. They play 162 games. Devin Williams isn't occasionally going to have a bad outing. It happens. That doesn't mean that Craig Council was wrong to pitch him. Right? Uh, Every once in a while, the Brewers cleanup hitter is going to go over four. Doesn't mean that Craig Council was wrong to hit that person in cleanup. And I know this year is a little bit of an outlier because I don't really know who their cleanup hitter is because they don't really have a cleanup hitter. But, But you get my point, right? For the most part, over the course of a 162 game season, Players are going to have good games. Players are going to have bad games. The manager is going to follow a similar sound process start to finish. If it works out most of the time, great. Every once in a while, it's going to go south. 
it doesn't mean it was bad management. It just means that that player did not have a good performance. That player did not have a good outing or a good at bat. And that happens. So I think it's a little dumb to put a manager under a microscope, especially a manager like Craig Council, who's pretty tried and tested. Today, however, I felt like Craig Council had a couple of misses. And maybe the Brewers lose anyway, because it just seemed like they weren't too intent on scoring runs today. Freddie Peralta was 70% of himself, got in a little trouble in the sixth inning, couldn't get out of it. I want to talk about the sixth inning first and foremost. It didn't make sense to me when it happened, and then I saw some other people mention it on Twitter. I felt a little bit more secure about my belief. Freddie Peralta runs into some trouble in the sixth. So Craig Council goes to his bullpen. And with runners on base, one would assume that Craig Council went for Hobie Milner. Of course, high leverage Hobie. No, uh, went to McGill. Why? I like McGill as much as the next guy because he throws 100. But I've said this about McGill. I like McGill when the Brewers are leading because McGill comes in, throws strikes, and throws gas. And if a guy gets a hit, oh, okay. But by and large, throwing 100 over and over and over again into the zone, you're going to get guys out. And Trevor McGill does not seem like the type, when I watch him, to come in and get himself in a lot of trouble because he's messing around. No, he's going to go throw strikes down the middle of the plate. Works a little bit better if your team is in the lead and works a little bit better if you don't have men on base. The Brewers were in the lead, but barely, and there were runners on base. I didn't love McGill in that spot. I would have liked Hobie. Now, when Craig Council didn't put Hobie in there, I thought, oh, well, he must be giving Hobie the day off because it would make too much sense for him to pitch here. He then uses Hobie Milner... In the seventh, huh? That didn't make any sense. He brought him in to relieve Pagaro, who gave up a run. It's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. So Hobie Milner was available, and you were intent on using him in a, in a high leverage relief spot for another reliever who got into trouble. Then why didn't you use him in the sixth when the Brewers were up three to one? It didn't make any sense to me. Then an offensive decision. I hated this. Brewers in the bottom of the eighth or top of the eighth. Santana grounds out, but Freelich hits a single. Adamas hits a single. Wow, lightning strikes twice in one game. Runners at the corners. Willie Adamas and uh, Sal Freelich. Mark Canna singles to center. Sal Freelich scores. Willie Adamas moves to third base. So now we have runners at the corners again. And only one man out. Bryce Train coming up to the plate. And Craig Council goes to Rowdy Telez. Now look, you want to pinch it for Bryce Train? Be my guest. Because the best case scenario when Bryce Terang is at the plate is some lucky, stoink, uh, swinging bunt infield hit that Bryce Terang legs out. Right? Like That's basically the best case scenario when Bryce Terang is up these days. You're crossing your fingers that he bangs one into the grass and he can run it out to first base before the third baseman has time to scoop it barehanded and make an incredible throw. Which really, you're talking about Manny Machado and Nolan Arenado. There aren't many third basemen that can make that type of play on a swinging bunt in the grass if the ball's bounced high into the air. It was the same type of play that Bryce Strang had a walk-off uh, two Wednesdays ago, that really hot afternoon day in the 10th inning against the Twins at Miller Park, American Family Field. You want to hit for Bryce Strang? Be my guest. I have I have no qualms with pulling Bryce Strang out of the batter's box in a big moment. But me, God, and every other Brewers fan knew that the Brewers were grounding into a double play there. Everyone, knew, oh, runners at the corners with one man out? Oh, there's only one way this ends. This ends in a double play. So to put the fat, slow guy in the batter's box, not a big fan of that. You know what I probably would have done? I probably would have left Bryce Terang in there and had him bunt. <laughs> and, and, like, I'm anti-bunt is anti-bunt gets. But we only have so many options here. Basically, the best-case scenario with Bryce Terang is a swinging bunt anyways. To quote, uh, to quote Shigur in 
No Country for Old Men, you might as well just admit your situation. There'll be more dignity in it. You might as well just admit Bryce Durang ain't getting a hit, so have him bunt anyways. And he'll probably be able to leg it out because he's fast as hell. Rowdy Telez is not fast as hell. So I thought against the sinker baller who gets ground balls, that's his whole job, putting the fat slow guy in, maybe not the correct choice. Couple of pitching choices I didn't agree with. That pinch hit appearance from Rowdy Telez I did not agree with. Craig Council could have made different decisions. Maybe the result would have been the same. Probably would have been the same. But when your offense isn't scoring runs and your pitching is only 80% perfect and not 100% perfect, the Brewers are playing in one-run games just about every night. And those are the types of decisions Craig Council needs to nail if the Brewers are going to win games. And that's really unfair to Craig Council. But, hey, Craig Council has flourished in most of these spots year after year after year, which is why I'm always singing his praises. Today, he didn't have it, made a couple of mistakes, and I thought they were uncharacteristic mistakes. I don't know why he didn't go to high-leverage Hobie in the sixth. That's the spot where he always goes to Hobie Milner. I, I didn't get it. I saw Dom Catronio tweeting the same thing. Rowdy Telez with runners at the corners? Are you tempting God to give us a middle finger and get us in an Indiana double play? What are you doing, Craig? Sports gods, they're a real thing. You gotta remember, 608-321-1670 War App Up Hour 1 of the Wisco Sports Show A little more Brewers talk and then I want to talk Packers after 5 o'clock This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network Wisco Sports Show Sometimes our jobs require us to do things we don't enjoy Sometimes for work, we have to do things that we are uh, spiritually, philosophically, emotionally opposed to doing. I had to criticize Craig Council. I don't think McGill was the right guy for the sixth. Hobie Milner should have been the choice. He was available. He ended up pitching in the eighth, so what gives? And I thought Rowdy Telez in a spot where the inning could end with a double play. You're putting that fat spare tire in the batter's box and tempting God to to not ground the Brewers into an inning, done, an inning double play? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Just two misses by Craig today. Maybe the Brewers lose regardless, but I got to call a spade a spade. So you see, I can hold Craig accountable. Let's get an update. Two minutes, hour two, Wisco Sports Show next. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I don't want to be that guy, but Mike and Chippewa Falls is right. You know, if the game comes down to one ball and strike call in the ninth inning, chances are you have plenty of chances to win or lose that game. I don't think it's very common in sports for officials to decide a game. Sometimes they give a little boost to one side or the other, but it's typically not insurmountable uh, by the other team. Like, oh, the umps gave a couple of calls to one team. Well, it was nine innings, 27 outs. There's plenty of breathing room. Go on and win a game, right? There have been some examples where I think officials all but did decide the game. I think of the Phil Mary game, 2013. Uh, the NFC Championship game between the Rams and the Saints in 2018. I think that was an instance where, man, the officials didn't like 100% decide the game, but it was, it was damn close. Today, C.B. Buckner made a really bad strike three call in the ninth inning. I saw it, and I honestly didn't even blink. I'm like, well, Brewers got what they deserved. 
I once had a math teacher in high school. He's a football coach. At the beginning of the semester, he gave this nice speech about how, hey, if you come to me at any point in the semester because you're struggling and your grade isn't where you want it to be, I will help you. I'll go all out. I'll do everything I can to help you. But if you come to me at the very end of the semester and your grade isn't in a good spot and you're struggling, I'm going to ask you, where you been? He's like, because the semester, uh, an entire grade is not based on one thing. Just like in sports, you know, you suffer a bad call or, or one bad unlucky play or one injury. It's never just one thing. And I thought as I sit in the back of this remedial algebra class, because <laughs> I was a dunce, I'm like, ah, he's correct. If I can just squeak out a B minus, I will feel like a, I'll feel like a champion in this class, which I think is what I got. I was, uh, I was not a mathematics guy and that's okay. The world needs ditch diggers too, uh, theoretically speaking, proverbially speaking, because I know I don't dig ditches. I'm not strong enough to dig ditches. I'm not capable of doing math or manual labor, which is why I am a hot take artist and a gas bag. But at least today I'm holding Craig Council accountable, which typically I don't do. Uh, I, I thought the, the Hobie Milner decision in the sixth was a bad one, or I guess the lack of a Hobie Milner decision. He went with McGill instead. That didn't make any sense to me. And then pinch hitting Rowdy Telez in a spot where the inning could be ended with a double play. I just thought you're tempting fate. You, you are you are daring God to not double you up. And Galdang, if that's not what God did uh, with the sinker baller for Pittsburgh on the mound, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And, and I got a tweet here from Jay Krebs, who's a tweeter to the morning show in Madison over the line. He's on Twitter at JH Krebs. And he said... Do you know how hard it is to push all the right buttons on a team full of rookies and career minor leaguers? So you're defending counsel. Yeah, I do. Which is why I love counsel and I often don't criticize it. Have I criticized him once this year? I think this is the first time. The thing is, you say pushing the right buttons with rookies and minor leaguers. And Hobie Milner isn't a, a rookie or a career minor leaguer. He's a really, really good reliever. And he was available. When Freddie Peralta needed a little bit of a lifeline in the sixth inning, Craig Council could have gone to Hobie Milner, who's been a high leverage, great pitcher with uh, with traffic on the bases. He, he would have been my option there. And and Council went with McGill. I just thought that was a miss. And going with Rowdy Telez when I would have preferred somebody just a little bit more nimble on the base paths. Rowdy Telez isn't a, a career minor leaguer or a rookie. No, he's working around Bryce Terang and Sal Freelich, sure, but... I don't know. That's a little bit reductive. Jay Krebs followed up and says, then no reason to call him out. He's given a hand with no Trump asking to win all the tricks. Well, they were also playing an awful Pirates team today. Let's not act like he's David trying to slay Goliath with a slingshot. He's he's got a, he had a much better team today. Craig Council's a big boy. He makes decisions. Sometimes they're wrong. I mean, what do you want? You want me to treat him with kid gloves? We can't say he's the best manager in baseball and then not nitpick when he makes a decision. Look, it would be one thing if he put Devin Williams out there and Devin Williams had a bad outing and blew the game. That's different. I think a lot of times in baseball, managers make decisions, and I think often they're the correct decision, and whether or not the decision works or not is irrelevant. You talk to coaches, football coaches especially. I honestly think that football coaches, if, if, if we could swing it as a society, football coaches would not want to keep score because they think that the story of the game right, is more process-oriented. And it's about, you know, did we make progress in this area? And did we get better as a team in this area? And, you know, when I talk to coaches, you know, they'll often downplay the result. And I think in baseball, the, the result sometimes is is secondary to the process. 
if Craig Council throws Devin Williams out there and he has a bad outing, okay, well, what did you want Craig Council to do? Not pitch his closer, not pitch his best reliever? No, occasionally even the best relievers had a bad outing. Today, he had an option to go to Hobie Milner, who's the, one of the better high leverage relievers, the, one of the best relievers in baseball with runners on the bags, and he didn't do it. And then he later brought him in in the game. I, I thought that was a miss. The Rowdy Telez thing, like, if you want to argue with me about Rowdy Telez, fine. It was either hit the rookie who's hitting 210 or hit the fat older guy who's hitting 210. Sophie's choice. I guess the opposite of a Sophie's choice because Sophie's that would imply two good options. In this case, there were none. Uh, but they were similar options, nonetheless. Uh, a tweet from Pavi and Eau Claire says, my dad always says the Army needs cannon fodder. I, yeah, I don't know if I'd be good cannon fodder either. I, and yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I, I'm the guy you want representing our country abroad with arms. I, I, this is about all I'm capable of doing. I, I can do this. I can be a radio host. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, if I had to pick another career, what I would be good at. I, I don't know. It's not a long list. So hopefully I'd, hopefully I'm able to keep this job for a while. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Brett and Tulsa. Brett and, oh, thank God, Brett and Tulsa. What's going on, Brett? Welcome. Hey, Grant. Yeah, def- definitely a tough loss today. Um, I haven't been able to, to take in all of the, the reactions from after the game yet, but I, I do agree with you that you can definitely second-guess both decisions. Yeah. Um, I'm going to support the McGill decision for the reasoning of um, it was a 3-2 game. There, I believe it was second and third, but one out. And, I mean, McGill has been absolutely – listen, Hobie's had a great year, and I, Hobie's awesome, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a strikeout pitcher, which I think in that situation, Council has said, all right, I need two strikeouts to get out of this. And – McGill gives me the best chance to do that, and he did give you—he did get the two strikeouts after he gave up the hit. But it, I'm okay with that decision just because um, I think McGill probably, besides Devin Williams, he's right now. Wow, he's your number two guy, even above Piumps. Strikeout wise, I mean, oh sure. I, I'd rather—I'm not saying—I'm not saying McGill should be pitching the eighth inning. Gotcha, yes, gotcha, gotcha. I would agree. Piamps you you cut out for just a sec, you, so I, I didn't hear what you said. Yep, you got it. Yep. Okay, yeah. If if you if you tell me you need one guy to get a strikeout right now besides Devin Williams in that bullpen, it's probably Trevor McGill. And yeah. the rowdy decision, yeah. I mean, you're right. I, um, Terang's faster. I I agree. I mean, they're both they're both hindsight 2020. They totally. didn't work today. Council decisions usually work. But they didn't work today, and it's a tough loss, and it stings. So, what do you think we do next here, Brett? I, I just—I'm not a guy who believes next in the dumb club. I mean, I, I know they still have a lead in the division. What do I'm you? Th- not, I'm not even thinking next year. I oh, mean, I, I just said, I'm what do we do to... next? What do we do next? We got oh, an update tomorrow. I don't mean ne- next year. I just mean where do we go from here? Because that was a kick in the stomach, and I would imagine it felt that way to the players as well. But the Cubs are red hot. They're playing baseball with great vibes. The Brewers got to get good vibes quickly. Absolutely. I, I'd probably feel worse about this loss if I watched it on TV. I was at work, so I was watching it on game day. But this is what a baseball season does to you, right? It, there's up, there's peaks and valleys, and it, one day you think you're winning the World Series, the next day you think the world's ending. And that's kind of where we are right now. I am a little concerned. The Cubs are on our tail. I do not want it to come down to those last three games. Um, we've got Colin Ray going this weekend in New York. I, I don't feel great right now, but like I've said all along, you give us three aces in a playoff series, and I know it's hard for me to say that when we just lost a series to Pittsburgh, but yeah. 
that's how baseball works. The Braves split a series with Pittsburgh not long ago, too. So um, hopefully we turn it around. But, hey, even if we don't, we're going to be in the playoffs, and we're going to be we're going to be playing in a three-game series with Burns, Woody, and Freddie. But I am concerned about the division. I, I don't feel great right now. You know, a lot of people want to talk about small ball. The Brewers can't play small ball, and they can't play for one run. You know, the Cubs don't really play small ball. Like They just slug the piss out of the ball. They hit home runs. They hit doubles. They score explosively. And, and I like when the Brewers have a more balanced scoring attack. I like that this team isn't 100% reliant on home runs. But Jesus, Brett, I'd like to hit a few more. Like, I'd like to have a little bit more of a, of a scoring explosive threat, whether it be extra base hits or, or doubles. And it just seems like this team doesn't have the firepower of some of these other contenders in the National League or even the Cubs, who I don't think are that good, but they hit a ton of bombs. Yeah, well, Ross tries to bunt, and it usually doesn't work, but it's Idiot. just another example of why small ball is stupid. But Correct. I, no, I would I would completely agree with you, and that, that's my concern. I, I love our pitching, and I, I think we have a chance against anyone, especially with how injury, um, with the injury problems the Dodgers have in their rotation right now. But um, power wins in the playoffs, and I know old-school baseball fans won't agree with that, but it's, it's the truth, and I don't feel great about us stringing together a bunch of hits against elite pitching in the playoffs. So that that is a concern. And Tyrone Taylor has kind of taken Rowdy's spot. To me, you need Rowdy Telez in there every day to try to get him hot because he's a power bat. But you can't do it because Tyrone Taylor has been one of the best hitters on your team the last three months or the last six weeks. Yeah, and so he gave it, away an out today. We, I don't even want to talk about that because then I'll actually get pissed. What's he doing dropping down a bunt? Yeah, I, it's frustrating. Um, I just that those last three games, it's going to come down to that. I'd be shocked if it doesn't. And boy, Brewers fans better show up because it would be a. It, it's going to happen, but it, it's going to be a bad. Yeah. Fans in do or die games in in Amp Bam Nam this season. All right, appreciate you, Brett. Hang in there. Enjoy the off day tomorrow. We've deserved it. We've earned it. All right. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, Brett Intosa. Appreciate you, Brett. Look, I'm not. Why, why? I got people on Twitter right now saying, "Preach, Brett." I, I, for the most part, agree with Brett. Jesus, I, I disagree with one move that Craig Council makes, and I'm getting killed on Twitter for it. What? What is this? <sighs> Let's talk Packers. We got some injury news today. We can talk about that in a couple minutes. I'm known to talk more Badgers football as well. If you want to, I think we got a lot of it out of our system yesterday. But with the show only being one hour long, if you wanted to talk and, and call Badgers football and talk about the opener. And the win over Buffalo. I want to make sure everyone has a chance to do that this week before we get to the NFL kickoff tomorrow night and before we get to, you know, Packers Bears as we get closer Thursday and Friday. We'll start proving that game a little bit more heavily. 608 321 1670, Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Eric on I 90. Eric on I 90. It's been a couple of days. What's new? Been a couple of days, Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what's new? It all. Uh, not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. Same. Likewise. Well, we're closer to football. I mean, that's great. The season starts tomorrow night. Do you have anything planned for the game? Are you making any special recipes? What do you do around the I-90 household? No special recipes. I got, uh, well, I thought I had quite a few players off my fantasy team playing tomorrow night, you know, and I'm pretty disappointed with my fantasy draft. I have to say that. You have Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Classic. Classic. I do. So my plan going in, I, I know you're not a fan, but you'll indulge me just a little bit. I'll right? indulge you, yeah. All right, so my plan going in, all right, 
My first pick is going to be an elite wide receiver, okay? Okay. Elite wide receiver. I draw number seven. Tough. Things are getting pretty thin on the skin for elite wide receiver at number seven, right? Talking elite, like the best of the best. Yeah. So I go Travis Kelsey because he's as good as any of the second-tier wide receivers, right? Of course, yeah. Yep. And you need a good tight end. Yeah, he's better or, or just as good as A.J. Brown or C.D. Lamb or Tyree Kill. Right. Maybe he was off the board at that time, but he's in that neighborhood. Yeah, totally. He's in that neighborhood, so I go that way, right? So I'm still a little bit disappointed. So I'm a little bit weak wide receiver. I'm kind of picking down through, and I kind of lose it halfway through. You know, I just lose my whole train of thought, and I'm just guessing. And then I got to get one more wide receiver, and I'm like, my strategy is always picking the number one player. I'm going to pick the number one wide receiver. I don't care if it's Adam Thielen. Sure. Right? You want the best wide receiver on their respective team is what you mean. You want the number one guy from the team. Okay, okay, okay. Right. You took Christian Watson, didn't you? There he is. (laughs) Staring me right in the face. (laughs) And I, I had to take him. I had to take him. He was the best available and of course i've been listening to your propaganda and bill michael's propaganda and the zone (laughs) propaganda so i was convinced to do it and now he's got a hammy now he's got a hammy i think i think you'll be okay travis kelsey really hasn't missed games in his career ever save for his rookie year and and games where he's been resting because the chiefs have locked up a playoff spot so i don't think you have to worry about Travis Kelsey, even if he doesn't play tomorrow. Look at it this way. If he doesn't play tomorrow, then he gets 10 days off. He gets that mini buy following Thursday night football. So hopefully he'll be close to 100% before too long. I, I, I don't know. It's not like Christian Watson came up limp during a game. Hopefully it's just a slight, you know, little tweak. Just a, just a little little thing of practice. Roll it out for a couple of days. Maybe even play this week. I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic about Christian Watson. Right. You know, right. so that's how that all went. But, I, you know, I did really, you know, I, I thought I had the best tight end, which is Travis Kelsey. Then I went I got the best kicker, that kicker from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty solid there. Oh, boy. Uh, picked up Joe Burrow as quarterback, but now he's questionable. And I did pick up Kirk Cousins at the very end. That a boy. You're a Vikings fan through and through. What's your yeah. team name? Is it something clever? Uh, no, we're just. We just got our, what's, uh, you know, it's a family thing, so it's Bloods versus Non-Bloods. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm a Non-Blood. Uh, we had a couple of new Non-Bloods coming in this year to the exciting. annual camping trip. That's One exciting. guy came in and I said, who do you belong to? You know, he was a Non-Blood, or trying to be a Non-Blood. Yeah, you know? I gotcha. Well, before I let you go, I'm going to talk Packers, and I'm going to talk about your boy Christian Watson coming up, but I, I, I want to know, did you go up north? For Labor Day weekend, I know it's not snowmobile season yet, but you had to be driving up north, right? No, we well a little bit, uh, not 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 even close to technically up north. We were up in Pittsville. Okay. Pittsville yeah. every year, and then you know, uh, let's see what else happened here. Oh, our favorite singer died. Yeah, that's sad. We're going to be doing the tribute on Friday. Are you a big Parrothead, Eric? I don't know if we've ever really talked about that. No, oh, he's not my favorite singer, but he's my favorite on your show. Oh, All right. I'll put it that way. Well, I appreciate you know, that. You know, Pink Floyd yeah. probably had some influences from Jimmy Buffett. Maybe silent influences. Maybe it didn't appear in their music per se, but I'm sure they, they drew motivation and inspiration from 
from somewhere in Jimmy Buffett's catalog. Aren't, doesn't Jimmy, isn't Jimmy Buffett younger than Voice yeah, details, details. You know, in the details. music community, everyone, everyone shares and everything. And what's up with the, what's up with Badger fans? They, you know, the guy comes in, comes in here, new head coach, new program, and he wins. Yeah, he wins. And like they're giving him a grade C. I'm like, what are you talking about? Right, so, I think it's, I think you should be proud of that. Anyone yeah. anyone who's totally bent out of shape about Saturday's game, I think is a little off base. Like if you're upset that they didn't win by more and you're upset that they got off to a slow start, like let's calm down a little bit. I think there were some some details about Tanner Mordecai that made people look twice. It was like, "Oh, maybe not the best decision making." The defense did not look as dominant as we've known it in years past. So that kind of caught our eye. What I don't get, Eric, and this is what I said earlier on in the show, we spent all summer, all spring and all summer, getting hyped up for Luke Fickle and Phil Longo, and it's going to look new and fresh and entertaining. And, and right. by halftime, everyone's tweeting, run the damn ball. It's like, wait a minute, were we game for this right. or were we not game for this? Right. It's like and you, everybody gets exactly what they want, and they're complaining. Yeah. And, you know, College football fans are a little bit different breed, right? They they don't want to just win. Yeah. They want to just completely dismember. Well, fan is, is short for fanatic, Eric, and we have to remember that. Right. Right. That's true. Yeah. So, anyways, so, you know, they, who do they play this week now? Uh, the Badgers go out to Washington State, and they beat them last year. Washington State beat them at Camp Randall last year. If I, rem- I think they did, if I remember correctly. So this is a real team. This, this game will be closer. So I would think that Luke Fickle listens to this show because what else is he got to listen to in Madison? Well, correct. Yeah. So, Luke, if you're listening, all right, you did a good job. Thanks. You just got to do the same thing again. <laughs> just do the same thing again. Oh, it's simple. Uh, see, you know, in uh, in Philly, I'll tell you this, and then we'll take a break, Eric. But in, in Philly recently, and if you heard last week's show when I talked to Ben Kenny, you might have heard about this, uh, Bryce Harper hit a big home run. Uh, last week and Bryce Harper listens to WIP which is the big sports talk station in Philly and in his post-game press conference he called out a caller that motivated him to hit that home run and I thought what if what if a professional athlete in Wisconsin did something cool in a game and then in their press conference said and that was for Eric on I-90 I think I would tip over and die I would love that I would love that I'd love that Luke Fickle maybe yeah Luke Fickle if you're listening, it's Eric on I-90, and it's the Wisco Sports Show. So just remember that. Appreciate you, Eric. Nice to hear from you. Have a good night. Yeah, you too, bud. Eric on I-90, delivering some motivation and inspiration to Badgers head coach Luke Fickle as he seeks a 2-0 record all-time as head coach of the Badgers. Second game of the season. Let's talk Packers. Christian Watson's banged up. Romeo Dubs is banged up. What the hell? I want to talk about the wide receiver position. I was actually planning to talk about the wide receiver position before I saw these injury designations today. So that's just fine. But there's another layer to it. Both have a hammy. We'll talk about it next. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. I want to talk Packers here in a minute or two. But first, just humor me for one sec because I saw something on Twitter over the break and I want to mention it before I forget. It's NBA related. 
uh, the Lakers signed Christian Wood and Hassan Whiteside the last 48 hours. And I'm telling you now, if you like basketball, if you like the NBA, or you just like following the show, uh, or you watch a lot of sports television, I'm telling you right now that Christian Wood and Hassan Whiteside are going to be mentioned over and over and over again on shows like Undisputed, on shows like First Take and Get Up. Well, they added Hassan Whiteside. They added... There have never been two players more talked about that are less impactful. Like the disconnect between discussion and impact could not be, I mean, it's zero and 100. And I see this, uh, this tweet from Undisputed. Richard Sherman likens the Lakers acquisition of Christian Wood to Pau Gasol. <laughs> see, um, that's like comparing, let's a baseball comp. Who would Pau Gasol be? Pau Gasol would be like Yadier Molina and Christian Wood is Hunter Renfro. That's that's how those two stack up against each other. I love that Richard Sherman is on Undisputed because the takes are going to suck, but it's not even going to be those shows. It's going to be the Colin Cowards of the world. Well, Lakers, they really fortified their, their forward depth this year. They added Christian Wood and Hassan Whiteside, and both are not good. Hassan Whiteside is horrendous defensively uh, and has no touch on offense. And uh, Christian Wood's been on, what, six teams in six years or whatever? Red flag. Always a red flag. When you're on six teams in seven years, you know who else has, by the way, been on five teams in five years? Hunter Renfro. So that is actually a solid comp. 608-321-1670. I want to talk Packers. I want to talk Christian Watson, who's banged up. Before we get there, let's take a call. I don't want to make anyone wait. 321-1670. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? This is Vagabond John calling in not from uh, U.S. 14 or U.S. 51. Oh, um, Vagabond John at home, unlike Eric on I-90. Just off of Whitney Way on the west side. Vagabond John on the west side. How about that? That's I love that. West side, Vagabond John. Well, that's too many words. We'll workshop. Yeah. Um, I'm torn today on the injury news. On one hand, I am probably more excited than anybody else in this community that uh, Joe Barry will seemingly have um, all but one of his starting tools uh, to start the season, right? I think Eric Stokes is still out, uh-huh. but man, getting Rashawn Gary back. Because remember, Bill Michaels just a couple weeks weeks ago was saying, well, you know, uh, New Mail Medical uh, might not have Rashawn Gary back until, you know, week nine or ten, he was saying. I'm thinking to myself, I, I've had. You know, I've had three ACL tears, and I'm no pre- professional athlete, but I, I think he can probably get back earlier than that. And here well, we are. He's, uh, he's going to be playing week one. I don't think that after this three-year experience with David Bakhtiari, I don't think it's unfair to maybe pump the brakes a little bit with the player coming back on time and on schedule. And Rashawn Gary is, like, some bodies respond differently to injuries. Brian Bulago is always done in nine months or less. He'd be ready week one the next year. I don't think it's unfair to have been hesitant to say that Rashawn Gary's back for week one, but it looks like everything worked out with his knee and, and he'll be ready. I'm excited to see what he looks like. And you're right. Joe Barry needs him. I actually like that, that defensive front unit, you know, make this like three years in a row where I've bought in, but Rashawn Gary, Van Ness, Wyatt in year two, Kenny Clark, everyone loves wooden and and a couple of these younger players, Slayton. I actually really like it. Preston Smith didn't even mention. I like that unit a lot. 
Yeah, and I mean, you throw in a coordinator who can take guys like Rasul Douglas off the street and turn him into fringe Pro Bowl players. Mm. I mean, this defense has uh, this defense has a lot going for it, Grant. So week one against the Bears, it's Sunday. If we don't have, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go past it. If we don't have Christian <laughs> Watson and Romeo Dobbs, what do we do? Does it become a Big Ten West game then? Do we put two, three tight ends on the field, run AJ Dillon in the I formation, dominate the clock, put together long drives? Is that what this game becomes? Yeah, I mean, look, for the love of God, I hope Aaron Jones has more than three touches at halftime, right? Yeah. And I hope, for the love of God, that we're not looking at the the uh, post-game press conference saying, well, I didn't realize that he, you know, he only had three touches in the first half. Well, we should probably fix that. And I uh, hope we can get rid of that trend, right, from the head coach. So, uh, yeah, I think our best playmaker on offense remains to be Aaron Jones until proven otherwise. And I think this is going to be an opportunity to get both of them involved. You know, Jones is an excellent receiving back. We've seen him make deep down-the-field catches on wheel routes. Uh, would love to get creative. I mean, you got Ben Johnson um, tomorrow night, offensive coordinator for the Lions, talking about how Jameer Gibbs is going to be lining up all over the field. Hope you picked him up in the fifth round of your fantasy draft. But, you know, I'm really hoping to see, uh, you know, the floor has the full, the full wheels now, right? There's no excuses. There's no uh, wow. other figure controlling this offense. If so, he's if he's without his number see. one and number two wide receiver, that's a little bit of an excuse. But I, I get what you're saying. I do understand where you're coming from. Totally. Yeah, the creativity. Like, let's get Aaron Jones out there. Let's get AJ Dillon in the background. You know, back. Uh, let's get two tight ends. Let's get Aaron Jones in the slot. Let's let's get weird with it if we're down to you know undrafted rookies or whatever at wide receiver. That he's going to have to. He's going to have to be creative. He's going to have to show us what he's got. Look, if he's out without both of them and they still put up. 21 points and win a close 21 17 type game sure all the praise in the world i think that's going to be fantastic um and i think that'll get packer fans really excited and i think it'll send bears fans just off the cliff um if they lose to jordan love without his two best receivers so, here's my fear um can i can i outline no my situation can i outline my fear going into this weekend um my sure. fear is that they're without watson and dobbs and they slide in, you know, my guy, Samari Toure and Malik Heath or Dontavian Wicks or whoever, fill in the blank, Jaden Reed. And they try to run the exact same offense they would run with Watson and Dobbs. They're, they're taking deep shots to Toure and they're, they're, they're opening it up and they're trying to do all these things that, you know, that you could tell, oh, that was meant for Dobbs. That was meant for Watson. And it doesn't work. And then we get to the postgame press conference or we get to our Monday press conference with Lafleur, and he's like, well... I probably should have made some adjustments. Probably should have switched up the game plan a little bit. Like, that's my nightmare situation going into this weekend. Yeah, and that's why I let up the creativity part, right? This should not be surprised. In the locker room, they have a, they should have a very good idea on how much both of those players are going to be able to go, right? He said, we're going to give them the whole week. Well, it's a hamstring, man. Those things, whew, running down the sideline at Evansville on a pick six last night wearing the stripes. Let me tell you what hamstrings man they get tight and uh it's tough to recover from those so uh with such a short timeline they they have an idea in the locker room and that's why i kind of want to eliminate the excuses to your point if we go out and we don't see any adjustments if we don't see any creativity if we're not seeing you know luke musgrave getting a bunch of different looks i'm still gonna have questions and, and you know missing your top two guys i'm not gonna um necessarily feel too badly right we're gonna be able to compare the situation with the chiefs right Name a Chiefs playmaker tomorrow besides Patrick Mahomes. Well, right? I mean, well, the, the, the Patrick Mahomes part is a pretty big part of it compared to Jordan Love. I, I get what you're saying. Hey, part. hey, I, I'm all of a sudden, and I, I did this with buy or sell with Bill earlier today. I said, Bill, 
if the Chiefs are without Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, their best weapon and their best defensive player, don't the Lions like kind of have to play a really good game, at least almost win tomorrow night? Because if you can't beat the Chiefs without Kelsey and and Chris Jones, I man, I, I don't know. The Lions need to show me something tomorrow night if the Chiefs are that shorthanded. Yeah, I think uh, of the NFC North uh, fan bases with the most to lose, um, if Kelsey doesn't go, if Chris Jones is still off the field, which it seems like is likely, and they lose, I mean, that's pretty deflating, right? I mean, obviously it's Patrick Mahomes, and he makes up for a lot of it, right? Despite what Bears fans will tell you, uh, the quarterback does impact the win-loss column. Um, yes. So, you know, look, I, I, with the Vikings week one, you know, there's a lot of question marks on that team. But but for Packer fans specifically, I think this is a no-lose situation, right? I think it's very different from the, from the Badgers where we're Correct. being really analytical on are the right things happening and how does this quarterback look? And, oh, well, Paul Chris got fired because he couldn't stay within 30 with Ohio State. Well, are we going to expect Luke Fickle to be within 30? Pa- Packer fans are in a totally different universe, right? This is unknown. We have no idea what to expect from this team, and that's why I'm so looking forward to this weekend because no matter what happens, we're missing guys. Sure, let's go out there and see what they can do, you know, with the limited offensive firepower that they have. Um, let's go out there and see what this defense can do. Let's go out there and see what Quay Walker can do, just spying Justin Fields the entire game. I'm excited to see those parts, win or lose. Uh, Bears fans, though, they've got the pressure, right? I would tend to I was telling my buddy. If it's the third quarter and the Packers score their third touch or to go up like two or three touchdowns and Jordan Love just starts screaming at the fans, I'm going to be so excited. He's not that type of guy. It's definitely not going to happen. But, you know, thinking about quarterbacks while falling asleep last night, I was kind of thinking, man, if we go out there and just house the Bears and Jordan Love starts to get a little feisty down in Chicago and starts to show just a you know, a liberal personality, I'm going to be pretty excited. I will be, uh, I will be more than pretty excited. I will be bricked up, as they say. Appreciate you, Vagabond John. I'm going to let you go. Thanks for the call. Yes, later. Much love. Always appreciate your takes. Badgers football, Packers. Yeah, the injury report today. David Bakhtiari did not participate. Vet rest. But Romeo Dobbs, DNP, did not participate. In case you're not back into the swing of football lingo, Romeo Dobbs with a hamstring did not participate. Rashawn Gary, limited participation with a knee. Christian Watson did not participate. DNP with the hamstring. And same with Dontavian Wicks. Um, you, you know, I'm far from a sports scientist here, and I realize I'm not in Green Bay. Did someone ask Matt LaFleur? I haven't gone through Mike Clemens' emails. Did someone ask Matt LaFleur? They are, um, they are stretching, Correct. We're doing, you know, just five minutes before you begin. You bend down, touch the toes. You know, sit down. You know, put your put your feet up against each other. You know, get the get the inner thighs stretch. We're stretching, right? I mean, I I just want to ask the obvious questions. I want to make sure these questions are being asked. We're stretching, right? Okay. As long, as long as someone's on top of that, as long as we're stretching, I guess injuries happen. I do agree with Vagabond John that the pressure is on the Bears, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that the Packers don't have any pressure. It's the NFL. You only play 17 games. Every single one of these games is super, super important. But I think the pressure is on Chicago in that, you know, the Packers are resetting. They're starting again with a new quarterback. They're coming off of two Hall of Famers, right? They're starting anew. The Bears have been waiting for this day since the early 1990s. The Bears have had such a disadvantage at quarterback for 30 years. It's not like, 
like Philip Rivers to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. It's not like the Bears have had Philip Rivers or Peyton Manning and the Packers have had Tom Brady. It's not like they both have had good quarterbacks and the Packers quarterback's just been a little bit better. No, 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 no. The Packers have had an ocean of an advantage at quarterback. From the Packers quarterback to the Bears quarterback, an ocean of difference. They've had a massive advantage. For the first time in my lifetime, for the first time in 30 years, that is not true. The Bears have been waiting for this day. And if the Bears can't win now, well, then when are they supposed to win? Right? Isn't that this is kind of their moment? And look, if the Bears lose by three, if the Bears lose by 10 or seven points, I don't think this is a massive deal. I don't think it's a crushing loss for either team. But for the Packers, if they win this weekend, it'll kind of feel like found money. Be like, look at this. Look at what we stumbled into. <laughs> look at wow. What, what do you know? A little, little bit, little bit of house money. And again, I never want to downplay any NFL games because they all mean the world. They're all super, super valuable. There's only 17 of these things. It's the massive biggest sports league in, in America. But I, I do think the Packers can sit back, gather themselves, kind of get them, get their bearings, get established a little bit. This is supposed to be the Bears' time. This is when they're supposed to be able to pounce. So I think there's a little bit more pressure. Plus, they're at home, so they have that advantage as well. I don't want to argue under which team is under more pressure. This is not like the most important. I'm not clinging to this as a Packers fan. Like, well, if we lose, it's not a big deal because the pressure's on you. No, that's not what I'm saying. I just think that this is supposed to be the Bears' time. So they should win this game. And if they don't, Packers fans are going to be like, huh, what do you know? Look at, look at this. Look at this. Like finding a $20 bill in your pocket. Five minutes, come back. I want to talk about the wide receiver position and why if Christian Watson doesn't play on Sunday, the Packers' chances of winning and really exploiting this Bears' defense they're going to be hurt. Not impossible, but their chances are going to be hurt. We'll talk about it next. Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Got about 10 minutes left or so. Packers injury report came out today. Not great. Not ideal. Christian Watson did not practice with a hamstring. Same as Romeo Dobbs. Same as Dontavian Wicks. And I love me some Samari Toure. If Sunday's Toure time, I'll be there for it. But Packers and and Jordan Love, certainly not in the best position to succeed. Week one against the Bears. As the Jordan Love era begins, could be beginning without his number one and number two wide receiver. Send me a tweet at Wisco Grant. You want to participate in the show? You can call me as well, 608-321-1670. You know, throughout the summer, we've talked about Packers X Factor. We have this conversation a a million different ways. Who's the Packers X Factor? Who's their most important player coming up this season? Who needs to take a jump from last year? And there's some obvious answers, like Jordan Love, obviously, or Sean Gary, obviously. Those go without saying. Anytime that we've discussed the Packers X Factor... My answer has been, and maybe this is a little boring, Christian Watson. He is so, 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 so important. And I know the Packers have Romeo Dobbs on the roster as well, and they drafted Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. The Packers have done a really good job the last two years not putting all of their eggs in one wide receiver's basket, and I love that. It's not like Christian Watson is the only wide receiver on the roster, but he's the most important. Romeo Dobbs is 6'2". He didn't run a 40 in the pre-draft because he had a knee injury. 
But the NFL.com, and I'm on it. I, I sounded like an old man there. NFL.com, not the NFL.com. I, I saw it on the TV. The NFL.com had a prospect grade for Romeo Dobbs at 592. He's a fourth round pick. Jaden Reed, 511, ran a 44540. NFL.com has a prospect grade of 5.9. Jaden Reed went in the second round, pick 19. Christian Watson is 6'4. He ran a 4-3. And NFL.com has a prospect rate of 6.27. Significantly higher than Reed, significantly higher than Dobbs, which is why he was the second overall pick in round number two, which makes him, what, the 34th pick? 34th? 33rd? Something like that? I saw that to say this. Watson has the size and the speed. His ceiling is a top wide receiver in football. A top five, top 10, it doesn't matter. His ceiling is a top wide receiver in football. I think Dobbs' ceiling is a very solid wide receiver. I think of James Jones. What James Jones was to the Packers, I think Romeo Dobbs could be. He's never going to blow you away like Tyree Kill or Justin Jefferson, but very, very good, and you're happy to have him on your team. I think Jaden Reed's ceiling is a top slot wide receiver in the NFL, but I don't think your best wide receiver can be Edelman or Cobb even at their peak. Right? You need that outside threat. That can be Christian Watson. And some of you might be saying, well, the Packers don't need to have a wide receiver one. They got lots of guys. They can do it by committee. Everyone takes turns, right? This week, it might be Dobbs. This might, it might be Watson. It might be Reed. Sure. But teams are usually better when there's a clear hierarchy and they have a clear number one. And by extension, then, a clear number two. Right? Think of the Bucks run. Chris Middleton stepped up in the playoffs in 2021. He was lethal behind Giannis Drew was great and Brooke had some big moments and big games but Chris was clearly the number two and he had 40 point games and massive clutch shots late in crunch time it was obvious Chris Middleton number two guy the 2018-2019 Brewers Yelich was the clear number one he was the MVP and the rest of the team followed suit a baseball team needs that guy who leads the charge that guy whose spot in the order you fear and some teams have two right the Cardinals have Arenado and Goldschmidt You're allowed to have more than one. I don't know that the Brewers have one, but you do need one. I feel the same way about Watson. He needs to clearly and definitively be the number one guy. I think if the Packers are going to have a ceiling higher than a young, plucky, fun team, they need him to be healthy and a consistent wide receiver one. If you could do that, ceiling raised. And it's a bummer we might not see Christian Watson this weekend because in 2022, the Bears played the most cover one and the most cover two in the NFL. Cover one only has one deep safety, so that part of the field is is ripe to be attacked. And if you're playing cover two, well, the best way to be cover two is multiple deep routes, four verts, right? That's always what you dial up against that. Well, Christian Watson is pretty fast. He's pretty good at those vertical deep routes. He is instrumental to the way in which you attack this Bears defense, and if he's not available Sunday, that hampers this team greatly. 608 Three two one sixteen seventy. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Grant Bills. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Hey man, uh, first time caller, long time listener. Uh, you're gonna like hearing this. I am from the good old town of Menominee. Oh, I love that. I was in Menominee all weekend. Well, I was slightly outside of Menominee, <laughs> but I was there. Love it there. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it's uh, it's a nice little town. I'm actually originally from uh, the Colfax area. So, oh, uh, I love Colfax yeah. too. Oh, right yeah, over on 170. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, I appreciate you calling. Exactly. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, my name is Brett. Uh, just thought I'd give you my insight on the uh, on the weekend coming up here. I'm super psyched. Please do. Uh, can't, uh, can't wait. Uh, I went, I just got done. I was at Shields. Uh, 
I, I'm buying in. I bought a Jordan Love jersey. I have to have a uh, jersey to wear. I have a, a Rodgers and an Adams jersey, and so obviously those players aren't with Green Bay anymore. So okay. I, I bought in. I'm going all in on Love. So, God, I love this. That rules. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen this week if there's no Watson and no Dobbs. That changes the calculus of this yeah, game a lot. No, no, exactly. And that's what I was thinking too. I mean, I, it's great that that Watson and, and Dobbs are are there, but you know, the the, the report came out today, uh, hamstring injury, and then I was that got me thinking back to last season when Watson and Dobbs were kind of in and out of the lineup all the time, and it it, it just makes me a little nervous, but. I guess I'm confident that uh, that they can kind of be healthy for the majority of the season, at least. And kind of unlike last year. So that's the hope. I would like them healthy together for a majority of the season. Right. So that wasn't really the case last year. I think if they're without right. those two guys, it becomes more of an AJ Dillon type show on Sunday, which is fine. I I'm trying to refresh my expectations for AJ Dillon this year because I think if Jordan mm-hmm. loves under center a lot, that really helps Dillon. And I'd like to see what that right. looks like on Sunday. That might be the game plan. Oh. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's it's uh, kind of what everybody's been talking about. It's uh, the 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 official Matt Lafleur offense, other than other than last year. And no, I, I totally agree. Get get AJ Dillon running downhill, Aaron Jones running downhill. Man, it's you know, it's a lot of a lot of high expectations for a team that we don't uh, don't know how they're they're going to perform. So, I'm a fan. I'm excited either way, I guess. I'm just glad football's back. I got to run. I got to take a break. Brett in Menominee, I appreciate you. I hope to hear from you again, okay? Thanks, Grant. I'll call again soon, man. Hell yeah. That rules. Enjoy Menominee. I wonder what the move is in Menominee on a night like tonight. What's going on in Menominee? I'm trying to think. Wednesday? I don't know. I'm out of school. I'm out of my Mustang school. I was there most of the weekend, but I don't think I ever went into town. My parents live outside of town, so I was just sitting out on the deck listening to Jimmy Buffett, drinking all my parents' beer. God bless them. They let me. Let's take one final three-minute break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, last couple minutes. Appreciate you listening today. Frustrating start to the show because I didn't think we were going to have to talk about the Brewers much today. I thought they had a 3 nothing lead early. Freddie Peralta on the bump. Pirates are terrible. No one's at the stadium. No way they blow this. We'll just get to talk backers tonight. Well, no, we had to talk about a frustrating Brewers loss. Sucks. And then I wanted to talk about Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs' Packers wide receiving core. Turns out that Dobson, Dobson, Watson and Dobbs might not even play this weekend because they got a hamstring injury. So that was a bummer bit of news that we found out this afternoon they're gonna need a deep threat against this bears defense this bears defense they play a lot of cover one a lot of cover two and i know i'm no football coach and you're probably not either but cover one one deep safety cover two two deep safeties both are exploitable by stretching the field vertically if you send multiple guys deep obviously the safety has to pick one which leaves the other in in an advantageous spot And if you're going against cover two, a big breaker of cover two is multiple vertical routes. Let's send three, four guys deep down the field and attack it. Let's flood that space with pass catchers and try to make, hey, that's going to be really difficult against the Bears who played more than any other NFL team. They played more cover one and cover two than anybody else last year in 2022, 2023. I don't know how the Packers attack that. 
Now, Aaron Rodgers last year, I pulled up some deep passing stats. This is something that you can chew on before we wrap up tonight. Last year, on passes that traveled 20 or more yards in the air, minimum of 40 attempts. Rodgers, 77 attempts, which is first of 22 qualifying quarterbacks. Uh, completions, he was sixth of 22. Percentage of passes deemed catchable, 3.7%. That was 17th of 22. Touchdowns, 11, second of 22. Interceptions, five, third most of 22. Turnover-worthy throws, 9.2%, nine highest of 22 quarterbacks. And quarterback rating was 13th out of 22. I saw that to say this. Aaron Rodgers was not a great deep passing threat last year. Jordan Love does not have to be this brilliant you know, uncorker of deep balls to be successful in making those throws that are going to be necessary to win NFL games, but especially to attack a defense like the Bears defense. He just needs to be a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers was last year, and that shouldn't take a lot because Aaron Rodgers has not been a great deep passing quarterback. All right, football frenzy all day tomorrow. Ebo show, Bill show, my show, NFL kickoff. Can't wait. Talk to you tomorrow at 4.